0: Sullivan testing the Portuguese.
1: You know, I like to be fit and healthy, so the best way I know is to just get out there and run.
0: Running was an outlet for me to, I guess, feel good about myself and, and take out some of the angers that were going on in my life. Sonny O'Sullivan is going to take the world
2: title back to Ireland. If you're like me, training for your first marathon, the thought of getting run down as the day draws near can sometimes keep you awake at night. You're probably running more than you've ever run in your life and trying to squeeze it in around work and family. You already know you need more sleep, but your intake will have to adjust as well. Today on Irishman Running Abroad, the Queen of Irish Athletics joins me to talk about the nutrition and supplements that might help you fuel the engine and keep the train on track during the final 10 weeks of training hello there sonia o'sullivan in boston it is boston right that's where we find you today
1: yeah i am in boston i'm in a nice part of boston i'm trying to think what it's called now you know it's always when you go to these new cities and i've been here on and off before but to find a nice spot is great You know, that you can walk out your door and you can go to a coffee shop and you can catch a tram. But the reason I'm here is for the, there's a track meet on in Boston University. At this track that's one of the fastest in the world. People come here from all sorts of places to try and run fast times. And, but it's like a weird situation. Like people come and run these races, but it's like there's 18 heats of the like 3,000 meters. 18? Yeah. And yeah, and it just goes on for hours and like this <laughs> after it's like nearly 500 people entered in the men's mile this afternoon.
2: Oh, my God. And they're all so, they're all competitive, serious athletes. There's no chances. Yeah. In there. well, it,
1: there's a lot of college athletes, right. um, lots, lots of college athletes, um, you know, so they're all over there in their team uniforms. And yeah, it's just it's like a factory and they're just churning out. These people running fast times, and you really have to tell you, you don't even know what's going on over there. So you know, you know when your athletes are running, and yeah. that's the only thing that you can focus in on. Mm. And then every now and then you might meet somebody, and they'll tell you, "Oh, there's this Irish person running, maybe." And so then you have another interest. But other than that, you don't really know what's going on. You're the in the cattle Mart. It, It's exactly that. I mean, this—it's just a zoo. I mean, it's a, <laughs> nice to have a break and to come away and sit and do this podcast and. Lovely. hopefully grab a coffee on the way back but people are in there running fast times but there's so many people running fast times and they're all trying to qualify for something but the races other than that the races don't mean anything like you've no idea who wins half these races and so it's a different motivation for people here Mm. um, Mm. to just get into a race and try and run a fast time and yeah. And I want to to
2: say what's coming up in the show really quick because later on we'll meet a man taking on something a bit bigger than even a marathon. Uh, we'll go round the Strava Parishes to hear what you guys have been running. And Sonia and I will do a little bit of reeling in the years because it is 25 years, Sonia, since you won the World Cross Country Championships, which are coming up next week. And I know you're heading to Australia to those. Does it feel like 25 years since Marrakesh or do you remember it as clear as day?
1: Um, no, I mean you kind of forget as the years go by, and it's only when you get to a milestone like twenty-five years, and you, you know, you start counting up the years on your fingers, and then twenty-five years. Yeah, <laughs> that's like for me half a lifetime ago. You know, it's a lifetime ago for some people. Um, so yeah, no, it's a, it's amazing the time has gone by so quickly, but also how much things have changed in that time, and you know, the world-class country back. You know, in the '90s and and before, it was the race that you know everybody wanted to run and to be a part of. It was the one race where you could go as a team with your country. And Ireland, you know, always had really good, strong teams, strong representation. Um, so this year, it's really disappointing. There is not a single Irish athlete running in the World Cross. <laughs> I know it's awful. Like, and and the World Cross country was one of those events where the Irish supporters used to come in force. Mm. And dressed in, you know, head to toe in Irish flags, green, you know, they were when I won in Marrakesh, you know, uh, Sean Callan and um, there there was just a whole group of them um, would be in the background waving the flags, the scarves up. and And that, of
2: course, helps you run it.
1: Oh, yeah. And like they're running around the course, you know, cheering you on. And there's all these little groups from different countries. And you get to, you'd see the usual suspects who would turn up all the time. And there was a group of them from Scotland, from um, the Kurt's Bride, I think. And they used to come with their kilts on. And what they would do is they would get the accreditations from the athletes. They they got so friendly with the world athletics. They would get invited into the gala dinner afterwards. and everything. No but then, you know, they would have good relationships with the athletes and they'd pick up the accreditations and they'd hold on to them so then when they'd go to the event the following year they'd have a choice of different accreditations that they could put on them and then when they were going into the course they could just wave the accreditation you know and easy access wherever you want to go <laughs>
2: different <laughs> a different time yes uh, and
1: harry the other the other person i meant to mention was harry gorman was another one who you know they, they just went to every event and it probably all started back in I think it was 78 and 79 when John Tracy won his back-to-back titles in Limerick and in Glasgow. You know, that became, I suppose, a a big thing for Mm -hmm. the Irish supporters. A bit probably like the the Irish supporters that are following the Irish rugby team Mm -hmm. at the moment. You Mm -hmm. know, they just become a brigade and fan club and, you know, have ticket, will travel.
2: What, What a shame that there's no one heading down there. And like we say, time's have changed and it does lead in nicely to our topic for today. Because one of my favourite things to do is to go to the Sonia O'Sullivan autobiography uh, that I have on my phone. And before we do an episode like this is search the topic that we're about to do. I have it on the phone. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't even even
1: have that. I hardly have it in the bookshelf.
2: (laughs) I have the copy on my phone here and I will always give it a bit of a search because you have the search function on it. And I searched supplements, the word supplements, and I searched the word um, protein. Did you get, get anything? Guess how many times <laughs> supplements and protein are in the book?
1: i I say not very much?
2: The, the correct answer is zero. <laughs> <laughs> Neither of them are mentioned. Wow. <laughs> carbohydrates, do you want to have a, a guess at when how many times carbohydrates get mentioned?
1: Probably zero. A zero not, as well. No no nutrition in there at <laughs>
2: all. None, none. The word diet only gets mentioned once. And that's in relation to you laughing at somebody who's on a fruit diet at some point. It is a, it is a whole new world, right? That like when you go into a running shop now. There's a whole like library of salts and uh, rubs and uh, powders, bars and things that you need to have in your diet. My question to start off, Sonia, is do we really need supplements in our diet if we're going to be taking on these big races? Or is this just yet another thing that modern running has decided we can make money off? Uh, I'd say probably
1: a bit of both. Um, I think sometimes you need them like right now when I travel, I have different supplements that I bring with me and sometimes I use them all the time and sometimes I forget about them and don't use them at all. But if I find myself rushing around and yeah, don't really have time to stop and eat, then they can fill a gap. Okay. Um, and that's the kind of powder liquid substances sub. What do you call
2: them? Supplements. (laughs)
1: Supplements. (laughs) One of the
2: reasons why it didn't appear in the book. I
1: don't even know what they are. Because you can kind of tide yourself over with maybe a hydration, a drink, like after your run. Mm. Today, I came back from a run today. And it's funny when you come from the, like you lose a couple of hours when you travel from, I wasn't quite in the West Coast but it was two hour time difference. And even in America you can lose Like you wake up at eight o'clock in the morning, but that's really six o'clock in where we were in Arizona. like five o'clock in the morning in in Portland. And what happens is you wake up, at like five o'clock in the morning. And then you think, oh, it's too early. I can't get up. And then you fall back into a deep sleep because it is like really late in the night where you've been for the past weeks. And then you wake up at eight o'clock and you're all groggy and you're kind of thinking, oh, I can't get up and run. So I was in a rush to get out and run because I had to go to a track this morning. And then when I got back, so there's not enough time to go and get something to eat. So I just had to grab a, a drink bottle and put some kind of a drink mix into it because then I knew that would carry I'd be OK then with that. No. But otherwise, I would get to the point where I'd be lightheaded and I wouldn't be able to cope.
2: So, but, that, but that wouldn't be how the dietitian would suggest you use these supplements to actually as replacements for food. Right. I'm looking that, at what. No, a, that's yeah.
1: that's probably an emergency situation, isn't it? Really, Yeah.
2: Yeah. So so,
1: getting it, getting into that emergency zone.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So if we consider your career, uh, given that we're doing a bit of a reeling in the years episode today, it just wasn't something that was in your mindset during your career or were you taking things like iron back then?
1: I would have been taking iron. Iron definitely would have been something that I probably have taken all my life and still do. It's just a, a thing. Everyone just assumes that women have low iron. And when they run, even lower iron. And so, when you get tired, you go and have a blood test, and you get your iron checked. And I mean, I, I wouldn't know wouldn't know any women that have high levels of iron. I think everybody has a low level of iron, some lower than others. Mm. And so, they you're always aware that that's something that you need to keep on top of.
2: Mm. And running would would deplete it further, right?
1: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's the pounding on any kind of hard surfaces breaks down the iron that I think that's what happens it breaks yeah. down the blood then the iron depletes and yeah I'm yeah. looking
2: at it I'm looking at it here and the the fancy word for this is uh, called foot strike hemolysis and it, you you lose it through your sweat and your GI tract as a result mm-hmm. of just engaging in this activity so that's interesting that was definitely a supplement that was in your diet at that all the way through your life and career
1: yeah, hundred percent. And you know that was just, but you wouldn't consider it a supplement. That was kind of like something you needed, even mm. though I suppose technically it is a supplement. To me, when I envision a sub envision a supplement, I think of like drinks that you have after your run or during your run or before your run, mm. um, hydration, and then recovery for like protein and carbohydrates afterwards to kind of help you to recover after the big long run or a big session
2: hmm.
1: um, before you get a chance to have a proper meal.
2: Right. Uh, and in previous weeks we have talked about using uh, chocolate milk. Uh, Vinnie Mulvey swears by it and you, you use it when you can't get your hands on one of these powders. But if I'm a rookie, which I am, uh, <laughs> and I'm going, well, uh, a supplement post run makes a lot of sense. Uh, I've heard you talk about it a bunch. Where do I start? Like what's the best thing to do if you're literally just going, right, well, hit me with what I need as the most basic level of supplement.
1: Well, there, there's so many different options out there, and a lot of it comes down to personal choice. And then you're like, OK, well, I have no idea. Then it, word them out. I think you have to talk to other people and you get recommendations. Now, the people who recommend this stuff the most are you know, physiotherapists, the massage therapists. They always seem to have a bit of a connection with it and they understand it. Um, for for elite athletes now, of course, you have to be really careful that anything you take is tested or batch tested, they call it, that it's not contaminated and that the protein you're taking is in as pure a form as it is and there's no illegal su- substances in there or there's no chance that it could be tampered with. Yeah. So that's kind of an, a, a lot of like high-level athletes would be concerned about that now. But at the same time, they're kind of the athletes who probably need the supplements more than anybody. And so I often wonder, you know, are supplements beneficial for all level of athletes or just for those at the high end? Like, do you have to be working at a high level or is it all a relative high level? Mm. Down, scales down for different level of runner.
2: Well, if I um, could jump in real quick there on that. Training for a marathon while being a mother of three kids, holding a job. Those things aren't going away. They're not they're not scaling down while you ramp up your training. That I wonder if the the demands on somebody who has a job and is trying to raise a family and train for a marathon that they're not altogether accustomed to. I would imagine that it's quite similar in the levels of stress that people have at the high end of athletics.
1: Yeah, no, I think you're right there. I think, you know, if you're if you have any kind of a training program that you're sticking to and then you add in how busy your daily life is. And, you know, if you're, you know, a mother or a father running around after kids. You're constantly running, you're never sitting, you're rarely sitting down, Mm. like I know when. Kira and Sophie were, you know, when they were in secondary school and they used to do sports and they had to go training for sports during the week and then Saturday sports. Like there'd be some days and you'd be like, I haven't sat down all day. I need to sit down. You just feel like I just need a rest. Mm. And I think when you're in that kind of state, that's when you need to be on top of your your food intake. But then also, if you can't have proper food, that you have these little emergency snacks and supplements and maybe they're not emergency then if you're using them to you know recover from a run or a training session that you've done so that you don't get worn down and you know we all want to run um exercise for for fitness for health to you know if we've got goals and targets that we're aiming for but we don't want it to be wearing us down so we need to benefit that like a lot of us are squeezing it in Like early in the morning, you've got to get it out of the way early because if you don't get out of the way early, as soon as the day gets going, then it's going to be really hard to find an hour.
2: Mm, And then it it. becomes even more stressful.
1: Yeah. And then you you actually get a bit, you get anxious about it nearly because you want to do something, but you can't do it because you're running out of time and then you can't relax. So I always find if you can actually get out and get a run early, even if it means that you've got to start out slowly or or get a a headlamp, get a headlamp, go in the dark. Yeah, that you you definitely come back more refreshed, more energized and more open to anything that's going to come your way for the Mm. rest of the day.
2: So I really want to get all of your thoughts, Sonia, on all of these supplements. I know that you've been preparing for this episode across the week. But we have a bunch of great things on the horizon for our listeners first that we need to remind them of first of all. Uh, the Cove 10 is literally just around the corner now. It will take place on the first weekend in April. Sonia will be back. I'll be there. As many of you guys I know, there's hundreds of you guys that are going down to it. It's really going to be a great opportunity to meet everybody and run this great course, the roads that Sonia ran uh, to get to elite athletics. We'll also have the unveiling of the Irishman Running Abroad 2023 singlet and half zip top, Ronan Wogan has confirmed that the singlet will be ready for the weekend and you'll be able to purchase it and run in it that weekend. I'm so excited about that, Sonia. (laughs) I'm like a a school kid.
1: You've sent me some pictures and it's looking good. So We're really, going for the darker, darker colour this time.
2: <laughs> yeah, less of a skin tone. I think we learned our lesson the last time. But uh, I want it was to go blending,
1: blending in with your skin, was
2: it? <laughs> it was a bad choice of colour the last one. But hey, I broke 20 in it, so I'm pretty I'm pretty happy. It's, it's a fast singlet. This next one's going to be even faster. Let's go around and see what everybody else has been running this week. Start with sonia i want to bring on on the live line ian o'brien who is do- taking on a challenge unlike any other maybe like anything i've ever heard of before ian is of course from west waterford 42 years old and unfortunately was diagnosed with early onset parkinson's disease five years ago then ian you made a very clear decision that you weren't going to let this thing hold you back were you
0: no, definitely not. And I turned to exercise because you know, everyone I spoke to said, you know, exercise can, can really help it. And I used to run before and I kind of given it up and for different reasons. And so getting back into the exercise was a, was a big bonus. And obviously I pushed off from there, kind of gone for this crazy
2: <laughs> idea as well. So, <laughs> Well, for a lot of people, I know you guys are probably sitting there going, oh, he's probably going to run London with Jar or something like that. No, <laughs> what Ian is going to do is he's going to try and scale 27 peaks around the EU from Mount Blanc, Mount Olympus, Ben Nevis and Karen Duhal. And not just in his own time, 28 days Ian. You're going to try and do all 27 peaks in 28 days. I mean, I don't know what to say. I mean, like when I said it to Sonia, she couldn't believe it. Uh, Where did this idea come from?
0: I think you need something catchy these days, unfortunately, <laughs> to grab people's attention. One of the the exercises I turned to was, was hiking and I really fell in love with it. And yeah, this is just kind of one of those days uh, after I was diagnosed and what could I possibly do to give something back? And this kind of just came, came about and I wondered, was it possible? And I spent a few months planning to see, is it possible? And yes, it is possible and I hope to do it and I will do it
2: unbelievable sonia right can you can you imagine taking something like this on?
1: no that's a huge challenge, and I suppose I'm sure Ian will agree that the probably most difficult part about it is probably not the climbing the mountains but the logistics of getting from one to the next in, 100% in, in the, in the, um I suppose that's what adds to it I mean it's one thing to to map out where you're going but then how we're going to get between each one and um recover from each one, so I'm sure you'll have some. You'll be needing some supplements to carry you through on that, which is what what we're talking about here today as well. Uh,
0: More more than anything, I need a lot of friends that are are coming on board to help me, you know, drive me around, uh, join me on on the various climbs, etc. So without them,
2: it wouldn't be possible. So I'm really grateful to have all my friends on board. Well, that is that is something special, I have to say. The place to go to help him in this fundraising, because obviously the idea here isn't just to raise awareness about the early onset of Parkinson's disease, which is something that a lot of us just like to put out of our minds that we think it's just that's for old people. Uh, the awareness that you're going to raise through this, Ian, is going to be immense. I mean, already, Ian, even the fact that we're having this discussion now will wake people up to the idea that this is something that affects people very young. How, how are you doing? right now? With yeah,
0: them. I'm doing good. Like, so it's one of the awareness ideas is that people when they think of Parkinson's, they immediately think of an old person shaking. And unfortunately, it's it's becoming more prevalent in, in younger people. And when I say younger, they consider young Parkinson's anything below 60. So I'm in the early 40s. I was diagnosed at 38. So, you know, I know people in their, in their 20s that have been diagnosed as well. So unfortunately, this is getting more prevalent. So I'm doing well. Like I said, I have turned to exercise. I still take tablets every day, but exercise really, really helps. It slows down the progression and uh, helps to deal
2: with some of the symptoms. Well, uh, Ian O'Brien, thank you so much for jumping on the show and we wish you the very best of luck. When is day one? Maybe we'll do a check-in in in weeks to come.
0: Day one starts at the top of Mont Blanc, which is the 5th of July. And uh, it goes on from there and finishes on the 2nd, sorry, 5th of June
2: and finishes on the 2nd of July. I in Carnival to back back home for the last one. So Wow. Okay. Well I'll do everything I can to join you on that day on the second of July. But That'll until be great. Uh, till then, best of luck for myself and Sonia. Well done and good luck, Ian. Thanks, Charlotte. Thanks very much.
1: Best of luck, Ian. I know Thanks, i I'm, I'm trying to follow you here now on all you're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter.
0: Yes, yeah, so my own, my
2: own website for it is European, so it's e u r u p i a n e u r u p i n dot com, and I'll link that in the info for all of the episodes. Uh, yes. Ian, thanks a lot. We'll talk thanks to you very so soon. You. Good Thank luck so with much. all the prep.
0: Bye. Thank you very much. Bye bye. <laughs>
2: It's it's tough now for everybody following Ian in Round the Parishes, isn't it? <laughs> when people are going, oh, there's my little 5k run. <laughs> when this man is scaling every mountain then in Europe. It's,
1: it's mad, yeah. So what's his first one, do you know? Oh, Mount Blanc.
2: Mount Blanc. I start the first, small. They go and start
1: with the highest and then
2: <laughs> yeah. come down to Ireland. <laughs> yeah, on, yeah, unreal. But I know that you have picked out a few people off Strava with the help of our PRO, Seamus Maguire. Thank you so much, Seamus. Uh, Who's the first person that stands out to you, Sonia, this week?
1: I've got um, Carolyn O'Reilly. She's in Dublin and she ran 15 kilometres easy pace and 10 kilometres sub five minute pace. So 25 kilometres all up. Flipping hell. Um, Two hours and 13 minutes. And she looks like she's out there with a few friends as well. So it's always good to to be able to, um, you know, Do these longer runs with some people, even to just start with somebody, or maybe meet people along the way. And um, she she was down there around um, Sean Moore Park, Sean Moore Park to the Martello Tower, so down along the um, the seafront.
2: Well done, Caroline. I, uh, of course, joined up with our listeners in Phoenix Park on Sunday. That was a twenty-three mile long run in preparation for the London City Marathon. Twenty-three
1: miles. (laughs)
2: <laughs> 23 kilometres It's a bit of a difference <laughs> so You can there, Don't doing? get those what, confused
1: what, what, I thinking, What's Vinny done with you? He's taking <laughs> yeah. you straight to the marathon He gets me up.
2: <laughs> Next person up for you
1: um, I have Owen O'Malley And he did an epic Wexford Sightseeing run I love a good sightseeing run But this was a long one 32 kilometres um, Yeah, 2 hours and 36 minutes That would be a marathon for some people yeah. Um, but that was a, that was a great
2: average Yeah, lovely stuff Also another uh, squad member For the Irishman wrote Fanula Gygax Did her first mountain run In Fingal Around Hoth There elevation gain of 278 meters it's not Mount blanc vanilla but but it is a great achievement to get out there and do your first one so shout out to her
1: okay and i have um ronnie o'sullivan here now is this this is actually this is
2: the ronnie o'sullivan the The rocket
1: no there was um last year we were having a discussion about Ronnie because we we would like to invite Ronnie to the co of 10 if anyone out there has any contact with him um Cove has a bit of history of snooker playing. I think Ken Doherty came there one time for a tournament. And um, so we'd love to get Ronnie down if he'd be happy to run 10 miles in April.
2: I think he'd love but, it.
1: Yeah, it probably depends on when the snooker tour- tournaments are on and if he can squeeze it in. But he ran his first race in 18 months and he was happy with it. It was uh, eight and a half kilometers. So it's been just over five miles. It looks like it might have been a cross country or a trail run. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Epping Forest in England.
2: Well, shout out to the rocket Ronnie O'Sullivan. I do have the name of his agent because I have tried to get him on Irishman Abroad before, so maybe I will knock on that door again. I know that a couple of our listeners have been in touch with him as he is a member of the Irishman Running Abroad Club on maybe Strava Maybe we can
1: um, kill two birds with one stone there. We we'll get to run race and do a podcast.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> all in all one weekend. <laughs>
2: What's your own goal for for Cove? Do you get tired of people asking you?
1: No, no. I mean, I I suppose I always try to have it a bit low key these days. And, um, you know, I just want to be ready to get out there and run at a a decent pace, you know. Yeah, enjoy enjoy it. Yeah, I think I did the same thing last year. Mm. And I kind of surprised myself last year. I think I ran just over seven minute pace for mile last year, which is pretty good going. Yeah. Uh, For me, (laughs) at this stage. (laughs) I think last year my target was 75 minutes and I was under it by about, I think, three minutes. So maybe I'll just stick to 75 minutes again this year. And yeah, that's well. like 7.30 per mile. And um, that, that sounds like a yeah. good enough kind of I mean, challenge. And I think Rob Hepburn might be coming down to run with me again. So. It probably depends how fit Rob is, you know, and if he can run and talk at the same time and keep <laughs> me pains the whole way around. <laughs>
2: yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm definitely going to be uh, not trying to break any records down there. It'll all be just about the fun of it. It is just such a flipping great weekend for a absolutely fabulous cause, the uh, Ballamore Cove C- Club and Breakthrough Cancer Research. Make sure to sign up now while you can and get your hotel booked. I'll of course be down in Clonakilty the night before uh, on the Friday doing my show Jarzilla. If you want to come down there I think there's 10 tickets left. Uh, Dundrum is sold out now and so is the Bloomsbury's nearly all gone but please do uh, don't hang around get those tickets in.
1: That's it for part one of this week's episode. Come on over to Patreon to hear the Reeling in the Years section of today's show and lots more. There's a further 40 minutes on nutrition and Sonia's legendary double world title win available to our members now. Alan, he had said to me, you know, you're, you're very fierce and you're ready for this, but there'd be a point in this race and it was, it was four laps of two kilometers. And he said, you know, it's going to get tough out there, but it's going to be tough for everybody.
2: There they are. Dendoba is the fourth athlete. Those fall away from the rest of the field now. Sullivan looks very comfortable and so does Moranga all danger for Paula Radcliffe he just can't shake them off will it come down to the sprint, sprint finish? I think it may well